Michelangelo painted wonderful art in the Sistine Chapel. Anyone can Google search it online and see great high-resolution images of the chapel ceiling. Now, provided COVID restrictions don't radically change, through January 31st, 2021, you can go see an art exhibit of the Sistine Chapel at the Mall of America. As great as it is to have these opportunities, I believe they both pale in comparison to actually traveling to Italy and seeing the Sistine Chapel in person. There is an image of things, and then there is the reality of things. Through Christmas, we will look at how simple shepherds in the Bible point us to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. The shepherds are the image. Jesus is the reality. We started in Genesis with Abel, and we'll end on Christmas Eve with the Bethlehem shepherds. Our second shepherd is Abraham, the saving shepherd. Jesus says in Matthew 18:12-14 and similarly in Matthew 15:4-7, "What do you think if someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go and search for the stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the 99 that did not go astray." In the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. Jesus didn't just make up that story about the lost sheep. But in addition to speaking an illustration that his listeners would understand, Jesus is also referencing Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, which says, For this is what the Lord God says, See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. Verse 15, I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. Abraham gives us the same image of God the shepherd and Jesus the good shepherd. Abraham is a shepherd, but he's wealthy enough that he has hired hands to do the actual herding of his sheep. Abraham spends his time being a shepherd of people. We see his saving shepherding in his interactions with his nephew Lot. Genesis 13, 8-12 So Abraham said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I, go to the, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of the Jordan as far as Zoar was well watered everywhere, like the Lord's garden and like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities on the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. The shepherd saves from death. Abraham and Lot both have large herds, and their herdsmen are starting to fight. Abraham says to Lot, it's time for us to split up. This is not a hateful decision, but a practical one. There's plenty of land, so there's no reason for them to be crowded together competing over resources. 
Abraham, as the elder family member, should get to choose where he wants to go. But he gives the choice to Lot. Lot intelligently chooses the land with the most water. Abraham had to know that's what Lot would do. So essentially Abraham gave Lot the water. Water is life for us now and for people back in the Bible. You know, in Bible times, people wouldn't have built a city in Las Vegas, Nevada, Los Angeles, California, or Salt Lake City, Utah, because there's not enough drinkable water there. Aqueducts were not invented in those times, in Bible times. Las Vegas gets its water from Lake Mead, 32 miles away. Salt Lake City gets its water from the Wasatch Mountain Snowpack, about 46 miles away. The California Aqueduct starts in the Sacramento River Delta and runs 444 miles. It's the largest water conveyance system in the world with more than 20 pumping stations, 130 hydroelectric plants, and more than 100 dams and flow control structures. If it wasn't for the California Aqueduct, Los Angeles County would be a desert. Water saves people. Lot looks to the east to the plain of Jordan and sees it's well watered everywhere. He says it's like the Garden of Eden, basically. And it's also like the well-watered areas of Egypt, which would mean the Nile River Delta. A delta always has water in it. There is so much water in the Jordan Plain at this point that it can support two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham allowing Lot to take the land with water is saving Lot's life. He, his family, his workers, all his herds will die without water. Abraham goes into the land of Canaan, which is not as well watered, but it's the land that God led him to and promised to his descendants. Abraham trusts that God will keep him alive, so Abraham does what he can, giving Lot water to ensure that Lot also stays alive. In John 10, uh, John 4:10, the Samaritan woman, to the Samaritan woman, Jesus answered, "If you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you." living water. And from Psalm 23, starting verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. Jesus' offer of salvation is symbolized with water, living water, which means fresh and clean, life-giving water. Like Lot, it's also up to each individual to make the choice to take it. If I do choose the water that Jesus offers, Jesus says in John 7:38, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Jesus saves me, and then I, like Abraham, become a fountain of life to others. It's important to remember who I'm supposed to be and relate to in these stories of Abraham and Lot. I'm Lot. Jesus is Abraham. It's only after I've had a saving encounter with Jesus that I can start to be like him. First I'm saved, then I can see to save others. The good shepherd saves the sheep from death. Let's continue with Abraham and Lot in Genesis 14, 14 through 16. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled his 318 trained men born in his household And they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he and his servants deployed against them by night, defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah to the north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also his relative Lot and his goods, as well as the women and other people. 
the, sep- the shepherd saves from detention. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were attacked by four kings and Lot was taken captive. When Abraham hears about this, he leads his 318 warriors from his household to go rescue Lot. We know from the continuing of the story that Abraham actually goes to battle himself. So if Abraham and his 318 warriors go off to rescue Lot, who's left to protect Abraham's family and possessions? Protecting himself and his own stuff is not the mission. Recall Matthew 18:12, which we read earlier. What do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go search for the stray? Abraham is a shepherd of people, and he doesn't allow his people to remain imprisoned. In the United States, we have the highest imprisonment rate per capita than any other nation. 698 people per 100,000 residents. We have about 2.3 million people locked up. Over 155,000 people are, have been locked up who haven't been convicted or sentenced because they can't afford bail. Why do we have so many people locked up? Do we have a higher percentage of lawbreakers? I don't think so. Is it racism or classism? I think that may be part of it, but it can't account for all of it. Our primary legal documents, the United States Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, both have the core idea of freedom. But sometime in history, I think our justice system became more concerned with locking people up than setting people free. The goal of the Good Shepherd is to set people free. The Son left heaven, his own home, his own people, to incarnate as Jesus who said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. Luke 4.18 Jesus also didn't limit himself to his family of Jews, saying in John 10.16, But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock one shepherd. The supermax prison that Jesus saves from is slavery to sin. In John eight thirty four through 36, Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you will really be free. The Apostle Paul affirms this all in Romans chapter 6. But specifically, verse 18 says, And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. The good shepherd saves the sheep from death and from sin. We'll lastly go to Genesis 18 to see the final time Abraham saves Lot. God has revealed to Abraham that he is going to destroy in judgment Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot lives. Genesis 18, 22 through 33. The men turned from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham stepped forward and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You could not possibly do that. Won't the judge of the whole earth do what is just? The Lord said, 
If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered, Since I have ventured to speak to my Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? He replied, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Then he spoke to him again. Suppose there are 40 found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of 40. Then he said, let my Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to my Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, let not my Lord be angry and I will speak once more time, one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of ten. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed, and Abraham returned to his place. The shepherd saves from destruction. Destruction is different than death, even though destruction might include death. Hebrews 9.27 separates these two events, saying, And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this, judgment. So judgment and death are separate. Death is ceasing to live. Destruction has to do with judgment. God is not just going to kill the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. God is judging their sin, and because of it, they will be destroyed. Abraham knows his nephew Lot is in one of those cities. It is Abraham's hope that Lot, his family, and perhaps a few others are not sinful. So Abraham, knowing that God does not punish the righteous with the unrighteous, intercedes for the city. He talks God down from 50 righteous people down to 10. If God finds just 10 righteous people, everyone in the cities will be spared from destruction. We don't know what God would have done if Abraham hadn't prayed. But we do know know that even though God didn't find 10 righteous people, God saved the few righteous the angels did find, including Lot. The actor W.C. Fields was in the hospital before he died and a friend came to visit. His friend was surprised to find Fields thumbing through a Bible. When asked what he was doing with the Bible, Fields replied, I'm looking for loopholes. There are no loopholes, but there is salvation. In today's gospel reading, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through 46 we heard that Jesus will judge. Some will be rewarded and others destroyed. Romans 5, 9 says, How much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? This ties back to what we learned last week. The good shepherd dies for the sheep, but by his death he saves the sheep. I've learned not so much to pray that my non-Christian friends find Jesus, but that Jesus, the good shepherd, finds them. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, We wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. The good shepherd saves the sheep from death, sin, and judgment. Just on October 18th of this year, Two 14-year-old boys in Singapore went looking for the Sonyan Jinya Shrine, a shrine to World War II Japanese soldiers who died in the conquest of Singapore. They were in the forest of MacRitchie Reservoir. 
They began their search at 3 p.m. At 5 p.m., they met a man who was also looking for the shrine but who had given up. At 6.45, they were lost. Fortunately for them, they still had cell phone service, so at 7.15, they called for help. The police used their cell phone signal to track the boy's location, but by 8 p.m., it was so dark in the forest, they couldn't even see their hands in front of their faces. One boy later said, I was scared of wild boars and other animals. I did not want to get eaten. The other boy said, I was more scared of getting scolded by my mother. So the boys were found at about 10 p.m. by police officers who, guess what, gave them water and bandaged their cuts. There are people in this world out looking for something special, something sacred, but who are really just lost in the darkness. But there is a shepherd who is light in the darkness, who has living water and is seeking to save the lost. Let's pray the psalm of praise from Psalm 95. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shouting triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice. Today, may we listen and respond to the call of salvation. As Abraham called to save Lot, may we hear your call today and respond, Here I am, save me, so that we may extend the call of salvation to others. You have many sheep who are not yet in this pen. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. If you have not yet responded to Jesus' call of salvation, I hope you will do so today. If you have, share that salvation with someone else this week. I leave you with this blessing. May heaven's richest blessing come down on everyone who goes out, following the good and beautiful shepherd himself, to find the lost sheep and to love and care for them. For beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.